Well, hey, good morning, church. It is so good to be with you this morning. And surprise, I'm coming to you via video uh, as Erica and I are actually out this weekend with some very good friends of ours uh, doing a marriage conference with them and uh, have the distinct opportunity to speak into the life of their church on the weekend as well. And so uh, thank you for giving us the opportunity to be out one weekend and uh, be with some of our uh, very loved friends uh, as they build an amazing church uh, in the Sacramento area. Uh, as well, not just because of that, but we decided with a lot of the changes many of you know about and don't know about happening around here, uh, we're running a little video so that you can get the experience of what's going to be happening in the second auditorium, which is coming soon to a neighborhood uh, near you. Over the past few weeks, our team has been diligently working uh, to get our auditorium to ready. And uh, so today's experience is going to feel a lot like our auditorium two experience will feel every weekend uh, starting very, very soon. And so uh, what you're going to get is live worship in our second auditorium. We're going to have many of our leaders and team in there and staff. Uh, but when the message comes up after worship, just like our normal service, it'll be via video in the second auditorium. Live in here, video over there. Uh, but it's going to be a great experience. And so we just thought it'd be really fun to have everybody kind of get a feel for uh, what's going to be happening over there. And so here's what I want to say with it, and then I'm going to launch into my message. Uh, you can start inviting your friends now. Uh, I know many of you who may even be joining with us online today haven't been hanging out in person uh, because we're just, we're just full in these three services that we have. Uh, well, we're opening up almost 300 more seats in our second auditorium. And, uh, and those services, that auditorium is going to be open uh, in multiple services. And so I, I just want to encourage you, uh, start inviting your friends, especially as we head towards the Easter season. It's going to be a great opportunity to continue to reach people. But with all that being said, I, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles with me today to Luke chapter 14, uh, verses 26 to 33 is where we're going to be uh, this morning. And I'm really excited to, to speak this message to you today. Uh, I think there's some stuff that's really going to challenge us as we are now only just a few weeks away uh, from Legacy Offering 2023. So Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 33 says this. It says, now great crowds were traveling with him. This is Jesus. So he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you wanting to build a tower? Now he's going to launch into almost a, uh, almost a parable kind of saying. Let's maybe talk about it more like an illustration. He's going to paint a picture for them. And this is what he says. For which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, after he has laid the foundation and cannot finish it, all the onlookers will begin to ridicule him, saying this man started to build and wasn't able to finish. Or what king going to war against another king will not first sit down and decide if he's able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If not, while the other is still far off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. In the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not renounce all of his possessions cannot be my disciple." 
I want to I want to submit to us today that this is probably one of the strongest pieces of of scripture that we have especially in relationship to how Jesus spoke to his disciples and and I know it's really fun in this cultural moment to say that, uh, that Jesus was this kind of loving, passive, kind of withheld, and, and stoic type of person. But, but we see right here that Jesus had some really strong things to say, especially to his disciples. And so today, as we continue on in our series, Put It in the Dirt, I want to speak to you from this subject. Uh, this is the title of my message today, There is a Cost. As we deal with, the, with counting the cost and understanding what it takes to make a difference. Will you pray with me just one more time today? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive, it's active, it's powerful, and it has the ability to transform us from the inside out. And so God, right now I pray that as, as we take time to continue to focus our attention on your goodness and your grace... I pray that we would be able to also hear your word for us today. And so, God, I pray that your word would come alive. I pray that you'd move me out of the way and that we would hear your voice for us today. God, I pray today your word would challenge us and correct us and change us and shift things inside of us. We thank you that your word is a living word. It's active for this moment and for our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, come on and everybody shouted. Come on, everybody shouted. Amen and amen. Um, in my household right now, our, our kids are getting to the place where we're trying to help them understand the cost of things. And I don't know how many of you parents might be in the room today who are on this journey with, with your kiddos. Uh, it's a fascinating journey because as kids who are, for the most part, provided for in a, in a pretty exceptional way, I, I think my kids have it pretty good. Uh, they don't quite understand what things cost. They don't understand the scale of it. They don't understand, like when we take them to the gas station and we got to pay $1,052 for gas right now. Uh, I'm just playing. It's not that much. But how many of you know, like when your kid chimes in from the back of the, of the vehicle and they're like, you paid what for gas? But they don't quite understand it. So it's a fascinating moment to be able to talk to them about uh, what things cost and the things that we have to do to plan and, and how we have to budget. And, and, and like my parents used to say, and I swore I was never going to say it, tell them that money doesn't grow on trees. Come on, somebody. And that's, that's the truth is that many times we don't understand what things cost. And so Jesus is going to launch into a teaching with those who were following him to help them understand that things actually cost something. Now, what I find fascinating about this particular piece of scripture is that Jesus had a mixed crowd of people with him, much, much like we have today. Jesus had spectators. Jesus had people following him who simply wanted to see party tricks as he did healings and things like that. They were fascinated at that reality. Jesus had Pharisees following him who literally just wanted to walk around and criticize everything that he did. And then Jesus had his disciples with him. And and I think Jesus was a pretty genius leader, albeit I think a perfect leader. And so every time he spoke, come on, every time he spoke, he knew what he was speaking to. He knew that he was about to challenge a heart. He knew that he was about to challenge somebody's mindset. He knew he was going to go at some things that potentially was going to thin the crowd out that was following him. And I don't think Jesus ever had issue with it. So he helps us understand in this moment, as he tells this parable, as he gives this illustration, as he turns to his disciples, he says, hey, everybody, listen, I just need you to know something, to follow me, to advance my kingdom, to build what it is that I'm calling us to build. It's going to cost something. 
Now I want to say this before we dig into the, to the guts of my message today. If you are a data person and a vision person, you are going to love what we're going to be talking about today. I think that one of the most important things that we need to understand leading up to our legacy offering on March 19th is, the, is what's in front of us and what it's going to actually cost us. And as we've said over the past couple of weeks, uh, talking about these things should be honestly within the context and the life of a church really, really easy because we're the type of church here at the well that loves to see things move forward. We're the type of people that have great faith. Come on, somebody who, who want to see uh, his kingdom advance and see the church that he said he would build, build. And so this is what Jesus was getting at as he spoke to those who were following him. Jesus was wanting those following him to understand that discipleship and following him had an assessed cost. And the truth is this, is the cost had implications upon one personally, relationally, and materially. You see, I believe that it's impossible to talk about generosity and giving without talking about discipleship. According to the Bible exposition commentary, a disciple, and I quote, a disciple is a learner, one who attaches himself or herself to a teacher in order to learn a trade or a subject. And perhaps our nearest modern equivalent is apprentice, one who learns by watching and then by doing. The word disciple was the most common name for followers of Jesus and is used some 264 times in the Gospels and the book of Acts. They go on to write this, and I quote, Jesus seems to make a distinction between salvation and discipleship. Salvation is open to all who will come by faith, while discipleship is for believers willing to pay a price. Salvation means coming to the cross and trusting Jesus Christ, while discipleship means carrying the cross and actually following Jesus. You see, there's a different attitude, there's a different dis disposition, there's a different tone, there's a different demeanor associated with one who is a disciple, an actual disciple. I am following Jesus. Now, I know in this room today, there's many of us who are kicking the tires on faith. We're watching things, we're, we're assessing things, we're, we're listening to messages like this, and, and, and our, we're examining our hearts to see where we're at. As, as I pray and hope that if there's many of you in the room today like this, uh, soon and very soon you'll make a decision to step over the line and become a follower of Jesus. Give your life to him. Say yes to him because that is the greatest decision that we can make in our life. But I'd be lying to you. I'd be a horrible pastor if I didn't tell you this up front. To make that decision, we have to, we have to assess the cost because discipleship will cost us. And I think gone are the days where we kind of bait and switch. And we like to, we used to like to tell everybody that, that if you follow Jesus, everything's going to be all right and everything's going to turn to fields of gold and, and everything's going to be happy and, and good in life. But here's the problem. That's not the truth. The truth of the matter is, is that even as we come to Jesus and, and we find salvation in him, uh, it's saving grace through him by, by faith. Guess what? Tomorrow it may be hard. And, and tomorrow you, you still may get that report from the doctor. And tomorrow there may be some people who turn their back on you. And, and tomorrow uh, a recession may happen. And tomorrow all the things still happen. But here's what I do know. I know that when my life is placed in the hands of Jesus, even if things are happening around me, I can station in a place of strength because he is my Savior. 
but that doesn't negate the fact that to follow Jesus will cost me. And to be honest with you, it'll cost me everything. But this, this isn't a popular message, is it? It's not one that we like to promote a lot. It's one that has a tendency to turn us away. Not just now, but it did in Jesus' time as well. And that's what fascinates me about Jesus. I'm constantly pulled back as I read Scripture and I see that Jesus had no problem saying it the way that it needed to be said, telling people what they needed to hear, and then he would continue walking on with this idea. If you want to follow me, follow me. But you need to know if you're going to follow me, it's going to cost something. And I think many of us today haven't necessarily assessed the cost of it. And, and cost assessment, someone needs to write this down today, cost assessment is what a disciple needs to do. Because you can't make a choice to follow Jesus if you first haven't added up what it's going to cost you. We'll talk about this more in depth in just a moment. Mark chapter 10, 17 through to 22, watch this. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him knelt down before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says in verse 18, why do you call me good? Jesus asked him, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. He said to Jesus, teacher, I have kept all of these from my youth. In verse 21, looking at him, Jesus loved him. I love this. There's a whole message in this part right here. But look at how Jesus, through his love, is going to assess truth in a very important way. So Jesus loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Verse 22, but he was dismayed by this demand. And he went away grieving because he had many possessions. Jesus then goes on to help those who were standing watching this take place understand what just happened. Mark chapter 10, 23 through to 31 says this. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were astonished at his words. Again, Jesus said to them, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. They were even more astonished, saying to one another, then who can be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, with man it's impossible, but not with God, because all things are possible with God. So Peter began to tell him, look, we have left everything and followed you, Jesus. Verse 29, truly I tell you, Jesus said, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundred times more. Now at this time, houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecutions and eternal life in the age to come. But many who are first will be last and the last first. And there's so much gravity and there's so much weight to this particular piece of Scripture. Now here's what I need us to understand, though. Jesus was not saying that being wealthy and having resources was bad. 
Jesus was dealing with the barrier that, is potent, that, that these things potentially create in our hearts and lives and in our actions as wealth and, and resource and finance and stuff, stuff and things have a tendency, come on, therapy moment in church today, like let's just be honest, they have a tendency to become first place in our life, to become first priority in our life. Many of us have a tendency to look at the things that we have and the stuff that's in our bank account and the 401k plan and, and And honestly, maybe some of the stuff that we don't have and we do want, we have a tendency to put them in the highest valued priority in our life. But what we see in Jesus's overall discourse is that the same barrier to being a disciple is created by relationships and personal value assessment as well. So that's why Jesus doesn't just talk about money. He talks about he talks about family, he talks about friends, and then, he said, and then he talks about us. Because some of us just value ourselves more than anything else. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? We have a tendency to overvalue what we bring and who we are. But isn't it interesting how having things, money especially, tends to be one of the biggest barriers that we face in our discipleship journey? This, again, would be why Jesus would teach around this issue in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. Lots of scripture today. This is what Jesus says. He says, don't, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and, and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye of the lamp Uh, The eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? This is some profound teaching that Jesus is doing, and then he says this. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So what Jesus is assessing for all of us to really look at is where does this stuff prioritize itself in our lives? Because remember what we said earlier, we can't be disciples if we don't figure out the order of priority in our life. Or more importantly, we can't be a disciple if we don't assess the cost. Many of us want to be halfway disciples. Think about that for a moment. We, we, we manage and we modify what we will give to God and what we won't give to God. We decide on a piece of paper in our minds or in our hearts, God, you can have this part of me, you can have this part of me, you can have this part of me, but you can't have this part, this part, and this part. And can I tell you that's not discipleship. Jesus was very clear as to what it means to be a disciple. To be a disciple means you leave everything in order of priority. God is at the top and then everything else follows and I follow him. But what's interesting is on the backside of this piece of scripture that we just read, Matthew 6, 19 through to 24, it'd be on the backside of this that Jesus would then launch into one of his most famous teachings on learning to not worry. Because we would know that when we are settled in Christ, he looks out for us and has our best interests in mind and that we will be taken care of. So what's the point of all this? The point is this, 
following Jesus costs us. Having a vision to see the kingdom of God spread and move forward in our generation, it costs us. To see the beautiful bride of Christ, the church, be all that it can be and do all that it can do, it, it, it costs us. There is and will always be a cost. Contrary to popular belief and opinion, things cost money, full stop. Now remember what I said at the beginning of this message. So hear me today. If this is your first time with us, if you're a guest, I'm so glad you're here today. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely pumped that you decided to make the well a part of your Sunday. Go back, listen to all of our messages so that you can get the context for this series. But I want to say this, contrary to popular opinion, and like my kids, I've told my kids, money doesn't grow on trees and things cost money. Full stop. Here's the truth. Legacy costs money. Impact costs money. Missions costs money. Disaster relief costs money. Bibles and training resources for those in China and Iran costs money. Training and launching church and church planters costs money. Equipping churches with leadership and training costs money. Facilitating the rescue of women and children in trafficking costs money. Descending upon our valley for citywide serve day costs money. Launching new locations of the well costs money. Facilitating ministry for men women and young adults in a greater capacity, it costs money. Having larger and more spacious facilities for the continued growth that we are seeing here at the well, come on somebody, it costs money and this is what our legacy offering is all about. And the truth is we have to assess it. We have to come face to face with it. Many of us have great intentions, great ideas, great desires to see things happen but we stop there. Why? Because the difference between a dream and reality is action. It's cost. And many of us are simply unwilling to count the cost and to pay it. Here's the truth. Some of us love ideas more than we love reality. In other words, we love the idea of what could be, but we'll never do what it takes to make something happen. Our legacy offering is the opportunity to take actionable steps to invest in the future of what God is doing here at the well as we work to impact our city, our nation, and the world at large. In his book, The Message of 2 Corinthians, Power and Weakness, Paul Barnett writes this. He says, inward resolve is to be followed by decisive and cheerful giving. So it's one thing to have inward resolve. It's one thing to say, man, I would love to do this. It's another thing then to take an actionable step. Man, I've got inward resolve for wanting to be healthy and to make sure that I keep myself as a person who can go the long haul with my internal health and my bodily health and my mental health and my soul health. But So it's one thing to have the desire to do it. Am I talking to anybody this morning? It's another thing to actually take actionable steps. I can wish all day, I can dream all day to have a better physical body, but unless I get into the gym and unless I eat right, it's never going to happen. You can pray about it, you can desire it, you can dream about it, you can draw pictures about it, but the only thing that will take you from where you're at to where you wanna go is actionable steps. And that's where a lot of us stop. And that's why I say some of us are more comfortable dreaming than we are doing. 
Some of us are more comfortable living in a fantasy land about things than we are actually seeing that dream come to life. Make it personal. Not just what we're doing here at the well and in our legacy offering, but many of us dream daily about having, building a business to the glory of God. You can dream all day long about it, but unless you take actionable steps, it's never going to happen. I know, beautiful K-Love moment. Come on, come on, come on, singles. Some of us dream about having uh, this relationship that honors God and, and is beautiful, and, and, and yet we dream about it, but we don't do the things that we need to do to become the person that I need to be for that relationship. Or even more practical, even this morning, come on, some, some of you have looked across this room for months now, and you see that person, and you refuse to walk across the, the lobby and say, hey, can I take you out to coffee? You can dream about whatever you want to dream, but a dream stays a dream unless there's actionable items that make it a reality. In other words, we can't be people who just have good thoughts and ideas about things. We have to be people that move towards it with decisive and cheerful giving. Michael Wilcock in his book, The Savior of the World, the message of Luke's gospel would write this. And listen to these words. Jesus was calling not for spectators, but for recruits. When he called men to follow him, he meant them not to tag along behind him out of curiosity, but to throw in their lot with him in commitment. See, the difference between a spectator and a disciple is one that has thrown the full lot of their life into the basket of Jesus. I want to say this in language that maybe a, a different portion of the room might understand, but uh, our relationship with Jesus is not to be diversified across many things. He is the one and only thing that we should put everything into. Come on, somebody. Can we just get a praise moment for Jesus? We do not get to diversify this thing. I don't put a little into the basket of Jesus over here and a little bit of, of, my, of my stuff into the world over here and a little bit of my stuff into this thing over here. Oh, no. So, like, we got to hear this today. I put everything that I am, my full commitment. He has my mind. He has my heart. He has my will. He has my emotions. He has my family. He has my leadership. He has my thoughts thoughts. He has my sexuality. He has my body. He has every part of me. Why? Because he is the greatest thing that I can have for my life. It's Jesus. We can't be half-hearted disciples. Time, resources, talents, relationships, thoughts, Feelings are given over to the following of Jesus and the advancement of his kingdom and the church that he said he would build. Now, in this series that we've been in, Put It in the Dirt, we're specifically zoning in on one area, and that is the area of our resource. And like we've said over the past couple of weeks now, if we're honest about it, the reason that this is a more tense series for some of us is because it's a big issue for us. Because it carries such a high value in our life. It has such great priority in our life. And so we're dealing with things right now. Now remember, around here at the well, if you've been around for a little while, this is a year of formation. That's what, that's what we're looking at. Everything that we do is through the lens of how are we being formed, spiritual formation. And I think one of the greatest areas uh, of our lives that many of us face hangups in is this area. And for some of us, the greatest freedom that we will find ourselves in this year is when we learn to reconcile this issue with God and get money and get resource and get the things that I care about in its proper prioritized place underneath Jesus. 
Next Sunday. Have a shot next Sunday? Come on, have a shot next Sunday? Next Sunday, I'm going to be doing a message called Follow the Science. Follow the science. And I say that a little tongue-in-cheek. But we're going to take a look at the idea of a cheerful giver and actually explore. This is crazy. That's going to be a lot of fun next weekend. Uh, We're going to explore the scientific data that tells us that those who give and engage in this way are actually healthier and happier people. It's going to be a blast. But before we get to that message next week, we've got to deal with the heart of the matter. And the reason I tell you that is because for a lot of us, we want the repercussions of something that we're unwilling to engage in. That's when we say things like, I want God to bless me, but there's this area that I'm unwilling to submit to him. And so we've got to talk about the heart first. We've got to talk about the discipleship matter first. We need to count the cost and assess what's in front of us. So... I say all that this morning. That's, that's kind of my intro <laughs> to, <laughs> to some of the points that I, I want to share with us today. And I think it's really important because uh, we're going to kind of go to the other side of our brain now. And I, I need us to hold this intention with what was just said. Because I'm going to talk about now vision and what is in front of us. This is where some of the data stuff comes from. But the reason that I shared all of that at fr- up front is because the cost can offend us if we haven't submitted who we are to Jesus. And that's an important thing for us to note. So I teach us that so that our hearts and our minds are now prepared for some of the details so that like Jesus said, we can assess what is in front of us so that we can go build and we can go to battle and we don't find ourselves in in an awkward situation when we don't have enough to do what it is that he's called us to do. And so we're going to count the cost. We're going to assess what's in front of us. So the remainder of our time together today, I, want to, I just want to look at what's in front of us as a church. This year in 2023 and the years to come, as we count the cost, assess what is ahead, and pray, prayerfully prepare for our legacy offering on March 19th. Here, here's the first thing that I want us to understand about what's in front of us as a church and, and where we're aiming things and what we're going to continue to do. And it's this right here. Uh, there's going to be a continued focus on mission-critical outreach. Okay? A continued focus on mission-critical outreach. This year, in through our legacy offering, we dispatched $323,020 to our local, national, and international partners and mission endeavors. Come on, somebody, let's put our hands together. What a powerful year. $323,020 just went out this year to national, international partners and mission endeavors. I got a big, massive list of them. I don't know if they're going to come up on the screen right now, but um, we've, we've got so many things that, that we've helped in so many different. Here they are all right, right here. You can see them behind me. Uh, these are all the places that our money went this year to engage in national, international missions endeavors. So many great things. The breakdown would look a little like this for 2022. Church planting and, and ministries, $25,000 plus. Local and global anti-trafficking support, $77,000 plus. National and global disaster relief, $60,000 plus. Local outreach and ministry, $124,744. And global discipleship, $35,000. On top of that 323000 that I'm talking about, more came out of our legacy offering in order to impact some of our other legacy 
lanes. Over $205,000 went towards future expansion, next gen, and next steps. So that's a lot of what's happening around here as we've expanded territory literally just across the lobby and getting ready for our, our second auditorium. For so many of the, of the next steps that happened around here, discipleship, as we were inundated with so many people this year. I don't know if you knew this, but we had, uh, we had 1,900 first-time guests this year. 900, y'all better start shouting and screaming when I say this, 984 people said yes to Jesus this year. That is such an amazing thing for us to take note of. And with that, over a thousand Bibles were given out this year. This is, ju- this is just a small segment of all the data I, can, I could read to you about the impact that our generosity has paved the way for. So if you want to see more of the data set stuff, you can find all of these numbers and more info and data if you head to the wellslc.com slash legacy. Included in mission critical endeavors would be the formation and beginning stages of our Park City campus and other ministries noted as Redemption House. So let's talk Park City really quick. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on on this, but I just want to kind of give us some information. Uh, Right now, Park City is on pause indefinitely. And for the sake of clarity and definition, this is what indefinitely, indefinitely means. It's an undefined amount of time, all right? Uh, we do have a time of worship and prayer coming up for those that call Park City home in order to talk through some of these things at, at greater depth. Um, with changes in staffing and leadership, as well as many of the details that are still needing to be ironed out, we are prayerfully considering our next steps for Park City. Um, I tell us that we get a lot of questions on it and I just want to let us all be aware and know like we are, we are still future forward on Park City. We've actually got some ideas that are in uh, the germination stages right now, the incubation stages right now. uh, And I'll reserve that information for a, a later date, but we are prayerfully on our knees before the Lord as we consider next steps for our Park City campus. So many good things happening there. And I just want us to be aware of, of some of those changes. And, and I want to say this as well, just as if I could be your pastor for a second. Um, you know, what's interesting, I was thinking about this the other day. What's interesting is that in the world, uh, companies can spend billions of dollars on what they call R&D, research and development. How many of you have you've maybe heard that, that phrase before? Companies, they literally burn money in the street. Uh, underneath the title of, of research and development. And while I think as the church, uh, we are to be good stewards of resources and, and, and finances, which we are here, uh, one of the things that I, I'm fascinated though by is that it seems like in the church community, in the church world, everything has to be perfect and done on a right schedule all the time. And I just wanna help us understand that a lot of the maneuvers that we make around here as the well, as a church, uh, we don't know the end result of all those. And sometimes we're going to walk down paths and we're going to search things out and we're going to realize that maybe the timing's off or we don't have the people necessary or we don't have the resources necessary. But I just want to encourage all of us, let's be the type of people that hold all of these initiatives with open hands so that we can always be the type of people that when God says pivot, we pivot. And when God says move, we, we move. Like I remember when we had all kinds of plans heading into 2020 and then all of those plans got disrupted and we had to, we had to shift on some things, but it was, it was easier to do as a church because we had our hands open to God. 
And so those are some of the uh, things that we need to understand about Park City uh, for Redemption House. For those of you who know what that ministry is as well, we have gone through changes there, leadership changes there. And honestly, uh, this area when it comes to trafficking and what's happening within our state is undergoing a lot of legal changes and governmental changes and so on and so forth. So right now, a lot of the things that are concerning Redemption House are on pause as we assess uh, where our resources are best fitted for use in these areas. Every year who we partner with changes, not greatly, but nonetheless, some change. However, there are a few key partnerships that we will be continuing to greatly support this year. Strategic Launch Network. Uh, this is our church, the church planting organization that we work with. As you saw the video this morning, come on, can we just give God praise for churches being planted all across the United States and Canada? And, and here's the thing, these are, these are brilliant men and women who are going out to impact their community. I have the distinct honor of being able to help coach some of them. But this is an area that we invest greatly into because we believe in church planting. And many of us are sitting in here today because the well got planted by a network as such. So we're going to continue to put strong dollars into church planting this year. Convoy of Hope, this is where we really invest in, in disaster relief across the nation and the world. World Compassion, we saw that video last weekend as we focus on discipleship in Asia and Iran. A21 is an organization led by Christine Kane who focuses on, on uh, rescuing women and children from, from trafficking. And then Team Church is a church staff and, and team training uh, conference and ongoing events throughout the nation that bring encouragement and training to churches all across the nation. And so this year, through our legacy offering, we will have a continued focus on mission-critical outreach. And my prayer is this, is that those things will continue to grow as we grow as a church. Number two, every shot number two. Number two, here's the second thing that we all need to be aware of. Aware of. This year, through our legacy offering, um, we will be making a strong focus on strategic advancement and opportunity. Strategic advancement and opportunity. In and through great counsel, consideration, analysis, working with our board, and lots of prayer, uh, I do want to announce to us this year that we are beginning a very concerted effort at creating the necessary opportunity fund for the future and permanent home for the well Sandy. Um, we talk a, a, a lot about that, but many of us don't actually really understand what's happening here in the Salt Lake Valley. Uh, maybe that's because you just moved in, or uh, maybe you just don't pay attention to it because uh, for whatever reason. I, I pay a lot of attention to what's happening around here uh, in our valley. So I was talking to somebody today, and uh, I, I don't think this would be new news to anybody. The valley is growing exponentially. And because the valley is growing exponentially, the price of things is going up. Uh, the land available, the buildings available, um, they're, they're quickly becoming uh, short on their ability to grab a hold of. And like I said, they're becoming insanely more expensive. Um, and so this year and in the years to follow, the well is we are through our legacy offering and general savings and things that we do, uh, that our board does, we are working extremely hard at creating a, a growing opportunity fund for a building should it be brought in front of us. We're, we're looking for things, we're working with the right people, so on and so forth. And so uh, we have to begin strategically and aggressively 
building this opportunity fund in order to have what we will need in order to say this right here, in order to say yes to what God puts in front of us as a church where building and space is concerned. And we really do believe, here's the thing, we're not just believing on a miracle, we're believing for a miracle, for God to bring something along that we didn't see, and we're doing everything that we need to do in order to steward and be prepared to say yes to that miracle. Come on, we're being disciples, we're counting the cost, and we're following, all right? Currently, from last year's legacy offering, so if you weren't here, last year in our legacy offering, this church came together on, on Legacy Offering Sunday and we gave over a million dollars in our Legacy Offering last year. Come on, can we just stop and praise God for a second for what a miracle last year. Absolutely amazing. And so this year, my heart is to, is to see that and, and more come in. I have, I have a, just a faith goal, if I can put it out in front of us uh, today, I have a faith goal of $1.5 million to come in through our Legacy Offering uh, this year. It's a faith goal, and I'm excited that, that Eric and I and our family get to engage in that, in that faith goal. And so uh, currently roughly over $500,000 from last year's legacy offering is sitting in our savings. And this enables, to, enables us to continue to assess Park City. It helps us with our Sandy Building Opportunity Fund and many of the other legacy layings as things come up. And so the truth is, Let's just be very real about it today, and I hope this is okay with everybody. The truth is this, is that these rooms are filling fast, and part of good stewardship is making sure that we have the space and the facilities necessary to continue to invest in all the areas that we see growing. And we've talked about this before. Some of us, we could think, well, why don't we just kind of stop? Why don't we just like circle the wagons? We can lay down right here. This is comfortable enough. But, but remember, remember the thing about the seed is that the kingdom of heaven and what God is doing, it's, it's a seed that is planted and then it takes root and it starts to grow and it becomes larger and larger and larger. And I actually think, here's the, here's the thing that we need to understand in this moment, is that I actually think that God is asking of us the well to be the church that, that spreads out. He's asking us right now to, to enlarge our tent so that we have the opportunity and the space to receive those who are coming in from all over the world to make the Salt Lake Valley their home. Here's the third thing I want us to understand and as I get ready to close today. Here's the, third, here's the third thing that we need to grab a hold of is that this year and through our legacy offering in the years to come, we're going to have a continued, we're going to have continued ministry advancement, okay? We're gonna continue to build ministry around here. And that's gonna look very specific in some areas and I wanna just kinda quickly throw those out to all of us today. The first area that we're gonna focus on uh, in hyperdrive is men's formation. We're getting a lot, a lot, a lot of conversation, especially from the guys around here, wanting to dig deeper, especially after this year's men's conference, Fire and Iron. And I just want to let you know that we are taking this year and the years to follow to make a strong focus on men's formation. The other thing that I want to, I want to let us know about today is that we are going to be working really hard at a young adult's development, uh, in, at, at young adult's development around here and what that looks like. And it's going to take investment at a greater level. We are committed to our young adults in this valley as we have a massive contingent of young adults coming from all over the valley as well as the University of Utah. 
Timothy Project has been a massive thing for us this year, and we want to be able to give uh, strong, strong support to that. And then later, lay leadership formation. These are all the areas that we really see God forming and asking us to go, uh, go deeper in and strengthen. It's going to take resource to do it, all right? These things take great resources as we pour into people that represent these areas and as we develop the ministry needed to impact each of these spaces within the well. All right? Now, let me be honest with all of us today. I know that for some of us right now in this room, we're insanely excited. We're like, come on, can legacy offering get here already? And for some of us, we're, we're, we're struggling with this. And, and I, hope, I, hope there's, I hope there's tension going on in the inside of us because that's God stretching us, right? But to be really honest with you today, Erica and I, along with our staff and our team, sense a great degree of urgency right now as we scan the horizon and see all that God has in front of us as a church. To be direct, we feel that our church, as many others have spoken over the well and confirmed this, we believe that right now the well is about to burst. It's about to burst open. Right now is not a time to sit back on the bench, but rather is a time to get in the game and get on the field. We believe that Sandy is is going to keep moving forward exponentially as we open the second auditorium and focus on the future home of Sandy. We believe that more locations are going to be launched even as we continue to strategize about Park City. We believe that missionaries are going to be sent out and funded as we see areas of focus come into play. We believe that we will see a youth and young adults movement birthed right here at the well that changes the trajectory of our colleges and the next generation. We believe that a men's formation movement is going to take place here at the well that is going to significantly alter our city, our families, and our spheres of influence locally and nationally. We see women rising up and leading with significance and stature both in the marketplace and in the church. If there was ever a time that we are to set our gaze forward and put our hand to the work, it is right now. But church, be sure of this. It will cost us. It's going to cost us. And my hope and prayer is this, is that we will be the type of church that can take Jesus at his words, that we can assess the cost and say this right here, Jesus, we're here for it. We're here for it. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and everybody shouted, amen and amen. Hey, I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes today. And I want to pray with some of us today. You know, the truth is this, is that part of the assessment that many of us have to make right now isn't even just about the cost of, the cost of these things in our life, material things and, and relational things and even our, our own personal status and, and, and how we see ourselves. But the first assessment of cost is actually saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. It's saying yes to the one who gave it all for us. And that's what's so beautiful about this. The Bible tells us that for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross for us. And today there might be many people sitting in this room today that have yet to say yes to Jesus, who have yet to to say yes to following the one who gave it all for you and for me. And so really quickly what I want to do is I just want to, I want to just pray a prayer. I'm going to invite all of us to pray this prayer together today and so we don't leave anybody uh, alone and isolated in this, mo- in this moment. But 
Uh, we call this the prayer of salvation. And there's nothing fancy in the words, but rather the heart from which these words come from. In other words, you, 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 you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth. And so come on, as loud as you possibly can, all of us in the room today, and especially those of us today who are like, yep, that's me. I need to say yes to this Jesus. I want to follow him. Come on, would you just repeat these words after me today? Dear Jesus, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you my past. I'm giving you my right now. And I'm putting my future in your hands. Save me. Change me. And make me new. And I declare today that I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. Today, I am making the decision to give you everything that I am. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.